Good morning. I'm so glad you joined me today as together we get into God's Word in the Unfolding the Word ministry. We're in the midst of a study of the book of Romans. We're now in the second chapter of Romans, and I'm going to pick up our reading today in verse 6, continuing to examine a portion of the second chapter that we began yesterday looking at. God will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and there will be fury. We've been talking about the hopelessness of trying to earn our salvation. The end of the first chapter of Romans, the beginning now of the second chapter, keeps underscoring for us this truth, that all people need the gospel. That gospel back in the first chapter, verse 16, that Paul says he was not ashamed of because it was the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Now, in this portion of the second chapter, we're developing this theme that God promises to deal with each person on the basis of their works to deal with them on the basis of how well they've obeyed, how well they've aligned with his word. That is the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. That is the agreement that God is making with all people who have not yet turned to the Lord Jesus Christ to be Savior. Here's the problem that arises from that very sobering agreement. Number one. God knows everything there is to know about you, and he knows everything there is to know about me. He knows what I've done. He knows what I've thought. He knows what I've said. He knows what I intended to do. He knows everything. Nothing is hid before him. And one sin is enough to separate us from God. One sin turns us into a lawbreaker rather than a law keeper. You see, there's no curve for human righteousness before God. Either one is perfectly righteous in harmony with God's righteousness and holiness, or they are a lawbreaker, no longer righteous, but now a sinner. The issue, as we've seen over these days, is not how we rank against other human beings. Because all human behavior falls on a continuum from morally degenerate up to really commendable high levels of morality and ethics. Humans fall across that whole continuum. But that's not the issue before God. It's not how do you rank against other people in their performance. The issue is how do you rank before a holy and righteous God? That's the issue. He cannot stop being holy and righteous and just because it's part of his very nature. And he tells us no sin can dwell in his presence and no sinner can either. How do you rank when measured against that perfect law, that perfect righteousness, that perfect holiness of the Lord? That's the issue. God's standard is that. And he says, he will render to each one according to his works. And to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality, you'll give eternal life. 
So he's building on this works issue, and he says, now some view may be those who through patience and well-doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality. There may be somebody who's consistent in their good works. The well-doing, which is the ESV translation here, comes from two words meaning good works. The works here are your deeds, your behaviors, your labors, your words, your thoughts, uh, things I've already elaborated on. Good, in that word is used advisedly here, agathal, means something inherently, intrinsically good. The Greek used that word to describe something that was pure and had no mixture of impurity in it. To put it another way, now that we're talking about works and deeds, a work that has no taint to it of anything else. Who before God can say, even in their best efforts, that there's not some taint of selfishness, some taint of frustration, some taint of something else, let alone the fact that there's a lot that is not good works that are sinful things to do. God says, listen, if you're wanting to come before me based on this old covenant, trusting that I will render to you based on your works, understand what I'm looking for is patient well-doing. Put it a different way. What I'm looking for is that the consistent habit pattern of your life is good works in your words, your actions, so forth. And if that's the case, you will have earned eternal life. If that's the case, and everything that you do, everything you think, everything that you say, it demonstrates that you're seeking after glory and honor and immortality, then you will be accepted in my presence. You will be righteous. The issue here is not whether we've done some good things. The issue is not, have we done more good things than somebody else is doing? The issue, as he so plainly puts it here, God so plainly puts it, the issue is this, have we persisted in a perfect life pattern, a pattern of well-doing? Have we persisted throughout our life with a life that has no sin, no complacency, no rebellion against God, or perhaps put it a different way. Have we persisted throughout our lives, having obeyed the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength? Has that been true of us? How does your life match up to God's criteria for judgment here? Does your life, when scrutinized by our Heavenly Father who knows everything about us, does your life prove that you've habitually practiced good works, habitually sought after Him, habitually fulfilled the highest and greatest of the commandments? What is true, what was true, and what likely will be true of your heart and your mind? Tough questions, really. If you, with a straight face, can stand before a holy God and say, well, I did it. I never stumbled in what I thought, what I did, how I 
how I acted. Uh, I've never done that. I've aligned with your perfect law all of the time. I've always fulfilled the greatest of the commandments. If we could say that, we've earned eternal life. Say it and actually it'd be a reflection of who we are. But if I'm coming before God and I'm saying, well, I know I didn't quite do that, but I think I did a better job than some other people did. I will be lost because God's standard is an absolute one. We must perfectly obey, perfectly be righteous, perfectly be holy. That's the standard. And listen, the Bible tells us there are none who are righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we didn't even need the Bible to tell that to us. There's no one alive whose conscience hasn't convicted them directly that they are sinners. No one has been able to live this way with patience and well-doing. No one. From Adam to the present moment, no one could do it. There's only been one in eternity who's lived that sort of life of patience and well-doing, good works, total fulfillment of the greatest of the commandments. Only one, the Lord Jesus Christ. From the very beginning of human history with Adam on to the current moment, everyone, therefore, needs what only Christ was able to do. When he died for us on the cross, his perfect life was offered for our imperfect life. His perfect life was sacrificed for the payment of the sin that you and I committed. And as a product of that cross and the resurrection, that perfect life of Christ is offered, credited to those who will admit their sin and receive Jesus Christ, trusting in him instead of themselves to stand before God. Well, join me tomorrow as we talk a little bit more about this awesome standard of God and how it is truly hopeless to try to get before God and earn our salvation through our efforts. God bless.